0: Choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. you got speed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. It might be okay, I'm not. How does it feel for the United States to be
1: the new record holder? At last. Huh? When that baby lights, there's no doubt about it. liftoff off. We have a lift off. Thirty-two minutes past the hour. What's up on Apollo 11? Houston quality Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man,
0: one giant leap for mankind. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 236 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 12, Command Module Pilot Richard Gordon Of the 24 astronauts NASA sent to the moon, only a dozen actually landed there. Richard Gordon, who passed away last month, November 6, 2017, at age 88, was one of the 12 who did not land, and in some ways the one whose frustrations might have been the highest. Gordon piloted the command module Yankee Clipper on the Apollo 12 mission, orbiting above the moon while his fellow astronauts, Pete Conrad and Alan Bean, landed the lunar module. He was the backup pilot for Apollo 17 and was scheduled to command Apollo 18 and finally land on the moon. But that mission was canceled due to lack of funding. But if Gordon was disappointed at how things turned out, he took it in his stride. According to Gordon, quote, The name of the game, as far as I was concerned, was to walk on the moon, but I had a job and a function to perform. End quote. Still, the view from 60 miles above the lunar surface did inspire him. He said, quote, It makes you think about the fragility of our Earth and the things we do to it. End quote. But let's start at the beginning. Richard Francis Gordon, Jr. was born on October 5, 1929, in Seattle, Washington. His father, Richard Sr., was a machinist and logger. His mother, Angela, was a teacher. He graduated from North Kitsap High School in Polesbow, Washington, in 1947. Then he received a Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry from the University of Washington in 1951. He married the former Barbara J. Field of Seattle, Washington. They had two daughters and four sons. He enjoyed water skiing and golf. Like many other astronauts, Gordon was a Boy Scout and he earned the rank of Star Scout. After graduating from the University of Washington, he joined the U.S. Navy and, after his first exposure to planes, decided to become a pilot. Gordon said, quote, Once I found what the airplane could do for me, or I could do for it, it was love at first sight. End quote. Gordon earned his wings as a U.S. Naval Aviator in 1953. He then attended all weather flight school and jet transitional training and was subsequently assigned to All-Weather Fighter Squadron at Jacksonville, Florida. In 1957, he attended the U.S. Naval Test Pilot School at Naval Air Station Patuxent River, Maryland, and served as a flight test pilot until 1960. During his tour of duty, he did flight test work on the F-8U Crusader, F-11F Tiger, F-J Fury, and A-4D Skyhawk. He also served as the first project test pilot for the F-4H Phantom II. He served with fighter squadron VF-121 at the Naval Air Station Miramar, California as a flight instructor in the F-4H. And he participated in the introduction of that aircraft to the Atlantic and Pacific fleets. He was also flight safety officer, assistant operations officer, and ground training officer for Fighter Squadron VF-96 at Miramar. In 1961, he won the Bendix Trophy Race from Los Angeles to New York City, in which he established a new speed record of 869.74 miles per hour and a transcontinental speed record of two hours, 47 minutes. He was also a student at the U.S. Naval Postgraduate School at Monterey, California, and he logged more than 4,500 hours flying time, 3,500 hours in a jet aircraft. Gordon was selected in the third group of astronauts named by NASA in October, 1963. Gordon was the instant leader of a star studded class of 14 astronauts that included Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins, and the last man on the moon, Gene Cernan. He had been a finalist for the second group of astronaut selection in 1962, but did not make the cut. During the Gemini program, Gordon first served as backup pilot for the Gemini 8 flight, and then in September of 1966. He made his first spaceflight as pilot of Gemini 11 alongside Pete Conrad. Gordon was already good friends with Conrad, who had been his roommate on the carrier USS Ranger. The main goal of the mission was to perform docking with another spacecraft, the unmanned Agena. On the flight, Gordon performed two EVAs, which included attaching a tether to the Agena and retrieving a nuclear emulsion experiment package. Gordon was so excited about performing his spacewalk that he was up an hour early and struggled to get his helmet over his head. Already tired and sweating, he found his visibility restricted by condensation and some of his tasks hampered by lack of handholds and an inability to stabilize himself he explained quote, "it was like trying to tie a shoelace with one hand" end quote. the first spacewalk was planned for 107 minutes but gordon had to cut it short after 33 minutes because of difficulty maintaining his position in weightlessness without handholds or foot restraints and it required an immense act of will to propel himself back to the gemini craft where Conrad could pull him in. A valuable lesson for future space walkers. On his second EVA, this time just standing in his seat, Gordon actually dozed off in space. Years later, he was asked what it felt like to wake up from his nap in space with a view of Earth from orbit. Well,
1: it was the same view that I had before I took the little cat nap. I was outside the spacecraft actually standing in the hatch was restrained and uh, the catnap was done during the daylight portion of of the orbit because our work was during the night side pass so uh, i I saw the earth uh, in full panorama once i got outside the spacecraft but the view prior to the nap was the same as after the nap.
0: Gemini 11 also employed the Agena engine to rocket the docked spacecraft to a then-record altitude of 850 miles. When the mission was over, Gordon piloted the Gemini 11 to within two miles of the recovery ship USS Guam. Gordon was later asked what his most vivid memory of the Gemini 11 flight was.
1: Well, the most vivid memory I have is how difficult the task happened to be. You know, now, we see it all the time, and it's a very successful operation. But in the early days, we we were somewhat ignorant. I would say, at least I was, of the difficulties of working in space without support. And by support, I mean handholds, foot restraints, uh, lap belts, some some way to hold you at your workstation so that you could use both hands uh, to complete a task. What I was trying to do was I equate that to uh, trying to tie your shoelace with one hand. And without restraint system, that's uh, a virtually impossible to situation.
0: After Gemini, Gordon was subsequently assigned as backup command module pilot for Apollo 9. And then, in November 1969, he flew as command module pilot of Apollo 12 the second manned mission to land on the moon. While his crewmates, Pete Conrad and Alan Bean, landed in the ocean of storms, Gordon remained in lunar orbit aboard the command module Yankee Clipper, making mapping photographs of tentative landing sites for future missions. When Conrad and Bean returned and docked their lunar module with his command module, Gordon said he looked in and, quote, all I could see was a black cloud in there. I didn't see them at all. I looked in there and said, Holy smoke, you're not getting in here and dirtying up my nice clean command module. End quote. So, they passed the rocks over. They took off their suits, passed those over, took off their underwear, and Gordon said, Okay, you can come in now. After Apollo 12... Gordon said people would often ask if he felt alone while his two partners walked on the moon. His reply was, quote, no, if you knew those guys, you'd be happy to be alone, end quote. <laughs> Gordon called his Apollo 12 solo flight experience wonderful, saying, quote, you don't have to communicate, you don't have to worry about pleasing anyone beside yourself, and, There's a lot of things you have to do and accomplish, and it's a moment of solitude." Gordon described Apollo 12 as a whole as being full of antics and dust. Gordon's next assignment was backup commander of Apollo 15. He was slated to walk on the moon as commander of Apollo 18, but that mission was canceled because of budget cuts. Gordon completed two space flights during his career, logging a total of 315 hours and 53 minutes in space, of which 2 hours and 41 minutes were spent in EVA. After his flights, Gordon worked in the astronaut office. He became the chief of advanced programs in 1971. Gordon worked on the design of the space shuttle. He retired from NASA and the U.S. Navy In January 1972. Many years later Gordon was asked if he would have stayed so long in NASA if he knew Apollo 18 was going to be canceled and he would never walk on the moon.
1: Well that's a great question in hindsight if I had known that I was not going to fly uh, an additional Apollo mission I would have certainly uh, gone with uh, Pete Conrad and Al Bean as it turned out to Fly again. That's what I came to NASA for, which is fly in space. And if I had known that there was not going to be an 18, and I had a chance to fly it, uh, I would have certainly uh, changed my mind. But I had to take that chance. I did want to complete that last 60 miles.
0: After leaving NASA from 1972 through 1976, Gordon served as executive vice president of the New Orleans Saints professional football team in the National Football League. The team owner, John Meekum was a friend. The hapless Saints had joined the league through expansion in 1967, and their struggles continued throughout Gordon's tenure. In 1977, Gordon became the general manager of Energy Developers Limited, a Texas partnership involved in a joint venture with Rocket Research Corporation for the development of a liquid chemical explosive for using in the oil and gas industry. In 1978, Gordon became president of Resolute Engineering and Development Company, Redco, which provided design and operational requirements for wild oil well control and firefighting equipment on board large semi-submersible utility vessels. Following the Redco merger with Amarco Resources, Gordon assumed the additional duties of Vice President of Marketing, Westdale, an oil well servicing subsidiary of Amarco operating in north-central Texas and Oklahoma, and also served as Vice President for Operations, Texas Division, in 1980. From 1981 to 83, He served as director of Scott Science and Technology Incorporated, the Los Angeles division. In March 1982, he became president of Astro Sciences Corporation. This company provided a range of services, including engineering, project management, project field support teams, to support and hardware systems design for control room applications. In the summer of 1984, Gordon was a technical advisor for and played the part of Capcom in the CBS miniseries Space by James A. Mishner. In the 1998 HBO miniseries From the Earth to the Moon, Gordon was played by Tom Virica. Gordon served as chairman and co-chairman of the Louisiana Heart Fund Chairman of the March of Dimes, Honorary Chairman for Muscular Dystrophy, and on the Board of Directors for the Boy Scouts of America and Boys Club of Greater New Orleans. Gordon grew up in Kingston, Washington, and Richard Gordon Elementary was named after him when it opened there in 1994. Gordon routinely visited the school and spoke to the students, most recently in 2013. Gordon was a fellow of the American Astronautical Society and an associate fellow of the Society of Experimental Test Pilots and a member of the Navy League. During his life, Gordon was awarded the Navy Astronaut Wings, NASA Distinguished Service Medal, NASA Exceptional Service Medal, the Bendix Trophy in 1961, two Navy Distinguished Flying Crosses, The Navy Distinguished Service Medal, Phi Sigma Kappa Merit Award in 1966, Institute of Navigational Award for 1969, Godfrey L. Cabot Award in 1970, Rear Admiral William S. Parsons Award for Scientific and Technical Progress in 1970, Manned Spacecraft Center Superior Achievement Award, NASA Group Achievement Award. He was awarded an Honorary Doctorate of Science from Niagara University in 1972. He was inducted into the International Space Hall of Fame in 1982. And Gordon was inducted into the United States Astronaut Hall of Fame in March of 1993. Sadly, Richard Gordon passed away in San Marcos, California on November 6, 2017. At the age of 88, he was survived by five of the six children he had with his first wife, Barbara, Carline, Richard, Lawrence, Thomas, and Diane. He is also survived by his sisters, Barbara and Mary, and a brother, Norman, and his two stepchildren, Tracy and Christopher, from his second wife, Linda who also died recently, on September 12, 2017. His Apollo 12 crewmate, Al Bean, called him a happy guy and just the best possible crewmate and friend. NASA Administrator Robert Lightfoot said in a statement, Dick will be fondly remembered as one of our nation's boldest flyers, a man who added to our own nation's capabilities by challenging his own. He will be missed," End quote. Here's the NASA clip for Dick Gordon. Astronaut Dick Gordon, the command module pilot on Apollo 12, NASA's second lunar landing mission, passed away on November 6th. The native of Seattle, Washington became an astronaut in 1963 after a career as a naval aviator. He spent more than 316 hours in space on two missions. In addition to Apollo 12, Gordon was the pilot for the three-day Gemini 11 mission in 1966, on which he performed two spacewalks. Dick Gordon was 88 years old. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 236 of the Space Rocket History Podcast, entitled Apollo 12 Command Module Pilot Richard Gordon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. I want to give a big shout-out to all my long-time listeners. Thanks for staying subscribed, and extend a warm welcome to my new listeners. I'm glad you're here. And if you haven't heard... There is a new RSS feed for the first 31 episodes of the podcast. You can find it on the homepage on the right side of the page. This means that the first 31 episodes are now once again available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all your favorite podcatchers. To find the archive episodes there, search for Space Rocket History Archive. Today, we salute the Gemini-level donors. There are 15 so far this year. Gemini donors contribute $40 or more during the calendar year. Thank you for your continued support, Gemini donors. I had a few afterthoughts about this week's episode. First, I want to give 100% credit to the Astronaut Scholarship Foundation program called Space Chat for the clips I used of Richard Gordon speaking It was kind of sad that Gordon never got to walk on the moon due to the cancellation of Apollo 18. I'm sure it it disappointed him much more than it disappointed me, though, but it was kind of sad. He had spent some extra time at NASA waiting to fly that mission, and he said he would have left earlier if he had known it would be canceled. But looking at his career after NASA, I think he should have stayed. Nothing afterward even closely compared to working with NASA, and he was involved in the space shuttle design as well, so if I had been him, I think I would have stayed. But that is just my perspective from the outside looking in, and his perspective was from the inside looking out, and there are probably details that I don't know about that led to the decision to leave NASA. I also found it interesting that he passed away just last month, November, and he lived only two months after his second wife died. It was almost as though he followed her to the grave. Okay, I have posted some pictures and the audio for this episode on my homepage, spacerockethistory.com. I hope you check that out. I was very pleased to receive several new donations to support the podcast over the past week. Richard L. from Arizona donated at the Orion level. Stephen G. increased his pledge on Patreon and moved up to the Orion level. Jesus M. from Catalonia donated and pledged on Patreon at the Apollo level. Anthony P. sent in another donation this year, moving him to the Gemini level. Evan B. donated at the Soyuz level. Christopher L. from Australia donated at the Mercury level and earned his Rocket Emoji. Roy B. from the UK donated at the Mercury level and earned his rocket emoji. Thomas M. donated at the Mercury level. Mark J. donated at the Mercury level. Neville G. from Australia donated at the Vostok level and earned his rocket emoji. James M. pledged on Patreon and moved to the Apollo level with his rocket emoji. Questline increased his pledge on Patreon and moved to the Soyuz level. Jake W. pledged on Patreon at the Mercury level. Thank you, all donors. I sincerely appreciate it. Okay, I need to speak to my Patreon donors for a minute this week. Last week you may have received an email. In fact, I think all of us did. That said Patreon was changing the fee structure. Well, they had so much problem with doing that that they sent around a new email today saying that they were not going to make those changes to their payment system. So, after a very tough week of dealing with the problems Patreon created, they're now saying there will be no changes. Patreon will continue to function as they have before. Unfortunately for me and countless other creators, we lost Patreons over the past week. I lost eight because of this nonsense. So now, I'm down to 140, which is 10 short of the goal of reaching 150 by the end of the year. So if you are one of my Patreons that have left over the past week, I hope you will consider coming back before the end of the year so we can have a chance of making the goal. Or if you have had enough of Patreon, I hope you will consider making a one-time annual donation by clicking the orange donate button on the homepage at the website, spacerockethistory.com. Last week, we were at 148 Patreons. I believe that we would have made the Patreon goal of 150 this week if Patreon wouldn't have sent around that email and got everybody mad. So it is very disappointing. But everything's back to normal now, and we're just moving on. For those of you who have not donated yet this year, uh, make sure you get your donation in before December 31st so you can earn your rocket emoji next year with your donation. For those of you who have already donated for 2017, I certainly appreciate it, and I have an item to give away this week to one of the 2017 donors. It is the NASA 3 one-half inch diameter meatball sticker. To select the winner, I gave every donor a number Put the range in Google's random number generator and got the number for Robert Erickson. Robert, if you would email me, mike at spacerockethistory.com, and tell me your address, I will mail out this sticker to you. I have several more stickers from NASA, and in 2018, I have something very special to give away instead of the sticker. So that's coming in 2018. I was pleased to see that the podcast received three new anonymous five-star ratings on iTunes this week. I want to thank whoever did that. I certainly do appreciate you taking the trouble to go over to iTunes and rate me. I appreciate it. This is the end of content for this episode. You are welcome to stay and listen to my off-topic thoughts if you want. Thanks for sticking around, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Next week, we will have Alan Bean's biography. In podcast news, you may remember from last week, Blueberry, my podcast host, still has not solved their statistics problem, so I am looking at moving the podcast to another host. I really don't want to do this because I'll have to change the feed and I will probably lose some listeners in the changeover. Also, I've never moved a podcast to a new host, so I'm a little nervous about doing that. So I'm going to continue looking at potential new hosts, and I want to thank those who wrote in and made suggestions. I appreciate that. In personal news, hope you're following me on Twitter or Facebook, because if you are, you got the picture I sent out on Saturday of the completed Apollo Saturn V. My grandsons, my daughter, and two son-in-laws came over, and we put that thing together pretty quickly. It came in, I believe, 12 plastic bags, so everyone got a bag or two and started working, and before you know it, it was finished. It was snowing outside while we were working, and after we completed it, we all went outside and slid down the hill. It was really a great day. Okay, that's all I have for this week. I hope to have episode 237 posted by next Thursday. So long for now.